day, everyone. It's a beautiful day in the Psyche community. Welcome to Psyche Podcast. You are here with your podcast hosts, Dr. Zamika Simmons-Yan, Dr. Jackie Canning, and Dr. Heathen Patadia, where we will spill the tea on hot topics in psychiatry. That's right. Here on Psyche Podcast, you will get the 10-minute lowdown on what's steaming in the world of psychiatry and mental health. We ask you to listen to the episodes, rate us and review us. Better yet, share the Psyche Podcast with your friends where we all can sip on the Psyche tea and maybe have a side of lemon. Well, I hope the Psyche community is filled with excitement because we have a lot of tea to spill because this week's hot topic is cannabis. Yep, we're going to be talking about cannabis for 10 minutes. Hey, Jackie, today you're the science lady. Can you break down the cannabis and its mechanism of action? Thanks, Amika. I'm sure going to try. So I know cannabis has been in the news lately, and it's been on the top of our minds, and it's been on the top of patients' minds as well. And I, I do think you all have to have some sort of baseline understanding of what's going on. So I'm going to give it a try. The endocannabinoid system is important in many psychiatric disorders. And I think what some people don't realize, especially patients, is that we make our own um, endogenous cannabinoid molecules um, and that endocannabinoids are naturally occurring lipids. And this includes anatomides and 2-AG. So the endocannabinoids engage G-protein-coupled uh, receptors. So there are both the cannabinoid receptor one and the cannabinoid receptor two. And this can influence appetite, someone's mood, learning, inflammation, pain, um, which a lot of people focus on uh, for uh, cannabis and memory. So when you break down the two receptors, the cannabinoid one receptor is primarily expressed in neurons and in the brain. And the cannabinoid 2 receptor are primarily, primarily expressed in the glial cells and are highly regulated by inflammatory signals. Now, that's important to remember. Now, with cannabis, people are looking at both CBD and THC. And I think we need to break that down even further. So let's focus on THC first. So this interacts with the endocannabinoid system to modulate mood. And it's a partial agonist with high affinity to that cannabinoid one receptor in the CNS system. And essentially it's a major psychoactive chemical and it causes an acute transient dose dependent psychosis, it can. And so this is what a lot of people are worried about. You know, will smoking marijuana lead to schizophrenia or psychosis? And so it's really dependent on the THC levels and this can be transient. Also, um, it can cause other behavioral issues such as euphoria, anxiety, and impairments in someone's memory. Now we look over at CBD. It interacts with the same system and activates the serotonin 1A receptor and the CNS. It binds with low affinity to that cannabinoid 1 receptor, and it is non-hallucinogenic. And it's actually thought to be in healthy individuals to counteract the effects of THC or other CB1 receptors, so that cannabinoid 1 receptor agonist. So this would help counteract the anxiety caused by THC, the euphoria, and the psychosis. 
Now, looking back over the last 25 years or so, if you look at the concentration of THC in cannabis versus CBD, there's been a big change. So 25 years ago, there was far less THC in the marijuana and the cannabis available and much higher levels of CBD. And now if you look at the, the different levels, you see a far lower level of CBD and a far higher level of THC. So THC, you get the psychoactive effects and CBD would be protective against those effects. So if someone were to want to get high off of their cannabis, that would be optimal for them. That's what they would want to choose, something with high THC. And some of my patients, and I'm just going to divulge in a little story here, but some of my patients would talk about, you know, what's the difference? My parents in the 60s used to smoke marijuana all the time. Uh, why can't I do it now? And so I would use this analogy with my patients. I would tell them, you know, look at the telephone that your parents used in the 60s. Compare that to the phone, the cell phone in your pocket now. The technology has grown and amplified over however many years, however old their parents are. And I tell them that's the same thing that happens with marijuana. The technology increases our ability to understand and grow these plants. And so they've selected for higher THC levels and lower CBD levels. So the psychogenic effects are larger. Now I'm gonna turn it over to Amika to tell us a little bit about the therapeutic effects. Yes, the potential benefits. What are the experts saying? This is really a hot topic right now with the question, are there therapeutic roles for cannabis? So let me spill the tea. I think the key point is when we talk about the benefits of cannabis and mental health, based on all the amount of evidence, we're no longer talking about THC. We're actually talking about CBD, cannabidiol. Remember the non-psychoactive component of cannabis? Now, there have been studies that suggest possible benefits to cannabidiol or CBD. Of course, it has been slow due to a lot of the regulation, but there are some studies. There are actually three studies that are highlighted in the Psyche webinar, which you can get to using the link in the show notes. But in short, there was an exploratory trial that showed some hint of CBD benefit in patients with schizophrenia in terms of reducing their positive and negative psychotic symptoms. However, there was another trial that did not back these findings, where a placebo control trial found that CBD augmentation was not associated with improvement in cognitive, positive, or negative symptoms. But in both studies, CBD was well tolerated with no worsening of symptoms or movement side effects. But when we look at another small short-term trial, it suggested that CBD use in patients with high-risk psychosis had beneficial effects on anxiety and attenuated psychotic symptoms and distress. So in essence, with these trials, we see that there is no level of certainty that we can walk away with. So it may be worth more trials to see if any benefits can be gained from CBD in various groups of patients with schizophrenia. But there are a few other places for which CBD 
may have some potential therapeutic roles, such as depression, anxiety, insomnia, and maybe anorexia. But one place CBD cannabis is showing some promise is in chronic pain. There's just more research and data in this area. But this is in cancer patients and or end-of-life patients. Some researchers believe that there may be a place for cannabis in end-of-life, but not so much for our young people. The other thing about CBD is that, again, it's, it's not FDA regulated, and it can sometimes be very expensive, but you can find it almost everywhere. So, Heaton, I don't know about you. I've talked about the the potential benefits. What what are those risks? Thanks, Amika. So you mentioned one thing, which was accept young people. And I think that's crucial to the conversation of cannabis use and its risk uh, to the adolescent population. In adolescence, it's a critical period of time where there is tremendous amount of neurodevelopment ongoing. And what Jackie mentioned in her uh, conversation of the MOA of THC and, and CBD is that the endocannabinoid system appears to be involved in key regulation, uh, key regulation of the neurodevelopment process. The endocannabinoid system appears to be involved in the key regulation of the neurodevelopment process in our brain. And this occurs, again, as I mentioned, during the, the adolescent phase in the neurodevelopment uh, of, of, of young folks. So this introduction of exogenous or outside cannabinoids during adolescence has been associated with greater neuropsychological impairment and increased risk of psychosis. Uh, we've also seen that persistent use of cannabis potentially has an impact and a lasting impact on psychosis. It has been associated with poor prognosis and, ev and even controlling for other substance use as well. When we think about cannabis use and the risk, we also have to talk about greater risk for certain patients, especially in the adolescent population. We know that schizophrenia is typically diagnosed at younger ages, and that's typically when we see utilization of cannabis in our population. And it's sometimes, you know, there's some association, and, and the studies have reported this, that it can precede psychosis independent of alcohol and other drug consumption. And that really depends on how heavy that user is, how early that patient has, or that you know adolescent has been exposed to THC or cannabis. And as Jackie mentioned, what level of THC content that the, that patient and adolescent is experiencing. And so they, you know, the, we, we still don't know all the risks, but these are some of the associations we've seen uh, for, for young adolescents who are looking to explore cannabis and, and some potential risks that they face when, uh, when, when exposed to it. There you have it, the 10 minutes feel the tea on cannabis. But, you know, I wonder what some of the health providers are um, talking about with their patients. I mean, do you all think it's important for them to engage in questions with their patients about whether they are using cannabis? You know what, Amika, that is an absolute fabulous question because I would have to specifically ask my patients about their cannabis use, if they're smoking or ingesting uh, cannabis in some way, shape, or form. Because if I ask them, you know, what kind of drugs they were taking, they would tell me no street drugs. Many of them didn't see marijuana as a drug at all. They 
that has no major impact on their mental wellness. And unless I specifically asked about it, they didn't include that. They didn't even think about it in terms of illicit drugs. What about you and your patients, Anika? Yeah, that's very interesting. I know that there are quite a few patients that will say, yes, um, they do. And we do engage in those conversations. And what I do is try to level the playing field. Therefore, they are not receiving um, inaccurate information. And what I think is that THC, from what the experts are saying, may be beneficial in the short term in mental health, but not so much in the long term. And when we're thinking about CBD, there are more studies, especially, like I said, in chronic pain and cancer. But when we're thinking about some of those street drugs, you were hinting to that, Jackie, when we're talking about those synthetic cannabinoids, like the K2, the spice, the Kush, all of that good stuff, that's a that's a heck no. And patients should not use them. They can have other chemicals in them that can be dangerous to their health. So Heaton, if this comes to market, who's going to pay for it? That's a great question. I think, you know, assuming regulatory approval of certain products like cannabis for the use in in certain patient populations, you know, I think there will be appetite from the payer population and the payers uh, that are going to be looking into this are payers that have patients that have high, you know, high risk of psychosis and other issues, but, you know, we, we're going to really have to evaluate the clinical data on it. I do think payers will look at it, you know, they're looking at other THC products that are on the market for other conditions uh, related to mental illness. So I, I definitely think there's appetite, but we've got, a, we've got a lot of regulatory hurdles and other things to first look at. But I think there's, I think payers will definitely look at this. They're, they're going to be very intrigued. Uh, there is a stigma around it, but I think with clinical data, with support from the community, with legalization on its way around the country, I think there's going to be a lot of conversations about it in the payer world. I think you're right. I think that as people progress towards other approaches to their mental health, that we're all going to have to be looking at this and considering it. So there you have it. You've heard it for yourself right here on the PsyQ podcast. But you don't have to stop here. Definitely check out our show notes for the links to more resources on today's discussion on PsyQ.org. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more hot topics right here on our podcast, please rate and review us. And also please subscribe so you can always get the new episode whenever it drops. Check out our other social media platforms as well, like Twitter and YouTube. So until next time, thank you for listening, everyone, and have a great day.